Meet our mom, Kelly Hutchison. She is a life coach. She is a child counselor. She is a teacher. She's a parent coach. And she's a mom to us. She will teach you to stop yelling at your kids. She will teach you to get your kids to lesson. She will teach you how to never sleep with mommy guilt again. She will teach you how to be an imperfect mom. So you can help your kids be imperfect too. And have harmony in the home. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast episode number six. The feedback and the positive reviews that you've been leaving me. I mean, you have to understand with this podcast, I was so nervous and jammed up about doing this. It's been on my mind and on my heart for over two years before I actually pulled the trigger. And I found myself indulging in overwhelm and confusion to help me spin out. Those circulating thoughts was safer for me than actually pressing record, getting the microphone, putting it on iTunes, because putting yourself out there is a very, very scary, vulnerable feeling. It's scary if you're putting yourself out there for in a relationship. And it's really scary online because there's a lot of people that have a lot of judgments. And just know that you are put on this planet to serve others and to help others. And you have gifts in your heart. And the verse that drives me every single day is to whom much is given, much is required. So I want you to remember that when you are scared about putting yourself out there, it is a responsibility that we have been given this gift, whatever talent, whatever gift, whatever passion has been put on your heart, you have to pay it forward. You have to, it feels like a responsibility. And when you're living in that flow and living in that responsibility and living in that verse to whom much is given, much is required, you don't find yourself in a lot of funks. You don't find yourself on the struggle bus. You don't find yourself feeling down and blue because you're feeling like you're in your flow and you're giving and you're giving. And there's nothing that feels better than giving without expecting anything in return. And that unconditional giving you will receive a hundredfold back, but that's not why you do it. So I just want to encourage you because doing this podcast has been so much fun. And I literally am sitting back going, what took me so long? It was just a sentence in my mind. And once I got coached myself, because I get coached too, coaches need coaches. And I was blocking myself and it was one sentence in my mind and a coach helped me unlock it. And I was like, oh my goodness. And it was like, it's on like Donkey Kong. It's still scary, but it's not as scary. And what happens after you keep putting yourself out there and helping others and you rise with helping others is that you get comfortable feeling uncomfortable. I'm just constantly uncomfortable and I'm constantly in that state of out of my comfort zone. But I realized that my comfort zone was really not very comfortable because that's when I would get like in those funks. I'd have like no mojo. I didn't have like the zest for life that I do now because you do really rise in helping others. So I just, that's just a little segue. And it segues nice into the topic, how to be happy all the time. And I want to clear up a myth that I thought for my whole life that you should be happy all the time. And when you're not, then something has gone wrong. And I am here to tell you that part of the human experience is to feel all the feelings. 
because we're taught that we should be happy all the time. And if we're not happy all the time, then something has gone wrong. But part of the human experience is experiencing all the emotions so you can appreciate the really euphoric ones. It's like having your birthday every single day. You wouldn't appreciate your birthday once a year if you had your birthday every single day of the year. You would take it for granted. You would just assume this is the way it is. And so once you can let go of the need to be happy all the time, then life feels a lot happier, if that makes any sense. Because when the negative things happen, which you are going to start to see them as not really negative, you're just going to accept the as is, and you'll just kind of like remind your brain, oh, this is part of the human experience. This is normal. Everyone experiences this. Everyone experiences. Oprah experiences this. I experienced this, Brooke Castillo experienced, Kelly wakes up with these thoughts. Oh, okay. Because what happens is we have shame and guilt and then we compile it onto the negative emotion. So it's like we're doubling up on the negative emotion. So I want to remind you how your brain works because my brain works the same way. It's always trying to seek pleasure, avoid pain, and be efficient at all times. That's all the brain wants to do. So it likes to do the same old, same old. And 80% of your 60,000 thoughts a day, they automatically go to the negative. They automatically look for danger. They automatically try to stop you. It, the brain does not like all this growing that we're trying to do and all this evolving. The heart loves it, but the brain, not so much. So those 60,000 thoughts that you have, you have to really be the watcher of your thoughts and not just believe everything that you think. Because a lot of times we put our emotions in the in the driver's seat, and that's why we're so exhausted by the end of the day, because we've been on this roller coaster of emotions, except we forget that the thought comes before the emotion. All circumstances in our life are completely neutral. Then we have thoughts about the circumstance, which leads to our feelings, which drives our actions, which drive our results. And something that I learned from Brene Brown, who is like, literally one of my favorite humans on the planet. I cannot wait to meet her. Hi, Brene, if you're listening. Yeah, right. Um, one day we will meet and we will run and we will embrace and I can, we'll be like in slow motion, like in the movies. And I watched her on Oprah every single time she was on. And one time she said something that it was like a lightning bolt that came through my house and knocked me off of my couch. I was like on the ground. She was talking to Oprah and Oprah said something along the lines of what is the scariest, oh, what is the scariest human emotion? And I thought she would say jealousy, losing a loved one, rage. I, I didn't even know what she was going to say because I was like, what's the hardest emotion? And she said, you know what she said? She said, joy is the hardest emotion that we feel as adults. I was like, joy? That's what everybody's searching for. If I could rename myself, my name would be Joy because I love joy. I'm obsessed with joy. What do you mean joy is the scariest human emotion? And she went on to explain it. She said, when we lose our tolerance for vulnerability, joy becomes foreboding. And I was like, what? Even Oprah was like, say what? What did you just say? And so what happens is we have this destination addiction where we think there is better there or there's better with a different husband or if our kids were different or if we lose the pound, the 50 pounds or if we build that business online or we get a different job, we think that there's happier there and then we are constantly running and running and running for that next destination and then we get to that destination and then the brain does what the brain does and it finds more problems, more problems, more problems. It looks for the negative. It looks for danger. 
And this was really good to know because then I realized why I was having so many people get in their own way of their own success. Because I help people lose weight and I will help them and they'll lose 20, 30 pounds. They'll be so excited and they'll feel like a million bucks and they'll say, yeah, it's just probably water weight. I'm like, uh, what are you talking about? I've never drank 20, 30 pounds of water. Or their kids are getting along and they're playing nicely and they'll say, look how nicely they're getting along. I wonder how that long, how long that will last. That is the example of foreboding joy. We do it all the time. I find myself doing it all the time. So we have to really train our brain to lean into that joy and feel that shudder of vulnerability and lean into it and say, whew, and feel it and feel that joy and almost like put it up in a little, I, I pretend like I'm, I pretend like when I have those joyful moments, like when the kids are playing in the pool and I'm sitting and watching them and going, thank you, God, for all these miracles. And I, and my sentence wants to go to, I would, I don't know what I would do if something happened to them. Or can you imagine? And my brain goes to it and I'm like, it's okay, brain. And I talk to it like it's a little toddler, like a toddler holding a knife, like Brooke talks about. And it's, it, I talk it like it's a little toddler. It's like, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay to feel joy. I know that's scary for you. It's going to be okay. So I try to teach that to the people that I'm trying to help lose weight. And when they're not yelling at their kids and they don't yell at their kids for a week and they say, I haven't yelled at them a week, but I wonder how long that's going to last. That's foreboding joy because we're so afraid of feeling disappointment. So we set ourselves up for disappointment in advance so we don't feel disappointment. Say what? That is what the human brain does. Do not feel shame and guilt. Lean into the joy. Lean into the gratitude. And the brain is not going to like it, especially if you were never taught as a kid to lean into the joy. Then it's going to feel really bizarre. The brain's going to be like, what are you talking about? Look for danger. Yell at the kids. Don't talk to the husband and be okay being 50 pounds overweight. It's okay. Stop all this growing and evolving because it's like the Play-Doh has been left out overnight and the brain does not like creating new neural pathways. It feels very, very too much work. And the brain does not like a lot of work. Think of your brain and your thoughts as neural pathways. Neural pathways just means ski slopes down the slope. And it likes going down the same routes over and over and over because it's faster. And now we're going down a brand new hill with the snow that's really thick powder. I don't even know. I'm not even a snower skier. I'm not even a snower skier. I'm not a skier. So I don't know how the name is, but the powder is really thick and it takes a lot of effort to create the ski slopes. And that is the work that your brain does not like. And that is the work that you are going to retrain your brain to do. And I always use the analogy of, you know, if you're ever like, if you've ever been to a, um, a dog track and you see those dogs just going and going and they're flying at the, they're going so fast and you're like, like, why are they going so fast? What they're doing is they're actually chasing the carrot to go so fast. And they're all trying to chase this carrot. And then they move the carrot faster if they want the dogs to run faster. And I feel like that's what we do as humans because we're always chasing that carrot, but we never enjoy the actual vegetable of the carrot. We're always seeking to get the next thing and there is no better there. If you're not happy where you are now, Losing 50 pounds, you're not going to be happy. Your brain's just going to find different things. There's a huge study about the people who get the gastric bypass surgery and they're addicted to food. And then once they lose the weight and they can't eat as much, they just change their addiction because the brain's like, all right, we can't overdo it on food. So let's now overdo it on alcohol. The addiction rate of uh, the alcoholism rate is skyrocketing for people who lose their food addiction. You think, oh, that's going to solve them. No, because we're not working on the brain. 
We haven't told the brain that it's okay to feel the joy and feel the negative emotion. When you can settle in and, and breathe into negative emotion and then lean into and breathe into joy, that's when life becomes really fun because then you're not so judgmental of things of good and bad. You just think them as the as is and you're not putting so much judgment on it and so much everything has neutrality until we put thoughts to it. And so well, my encouragement for you is to enjoy your carrots, love the carrots that you have while you're going. You can still strive for more carrots. It's like we're in first grade. We're always thinking about second grade. We're in second grade. We're always thinking about third grade. Like I'm teaching, the, you want to teach your kids to not to always go to the next level by thinking there's something better in fourth grade, something better in fifth grade. So we're taught very young to always be looking forward. And there's nothing wrong with forward thinking and forward and having goals and having things to achieve. But I want you to pretend like you're in a, in a monkey vine, you're in a, you're in a forest and the monkey vine is the, the place that you are right now, the current weight, the current husband, the current kids, the current money in the bank, the current job. Everything is on that monkey vine and you need to find the good in all of those things while you're going to the next monkey vine. Because there is no better there, if you're not happy with all those things or most of those things or find the joy in those things, when you get to the next monkey vine, you're going to be sorely disappointed that there is no better there. I see this all the time. I've helped people that are making a million dollars. They're just running and they're hustling and they get to a million dollars and they're just like, is this it? Really? It's kind of like the happy, I watched The Bachelor and I'm like, they think that once they're married, that's the happily ever after. And then they have the kids and that's happily ever after. And like, you realize that when you, you put all these expectations on these external things that are never going to fill what you're really looking for. And then you're like, well, maybe it's another kid, maybe when they're older. And so you're kind of wishing your life away because you're looking for something better in another location. You have that destination addiction. You're not enjoying your carrots now, and you're not loving the monkey vine that you're on now. It's not going to be much better at the next monkey vine. It's kind of like when I was shopping for my car. It, when you get a new car, there's such a cool feeling, the smell, and it's new gears, and everything's so clean. And you're like, I am never going to take this car for granted for the rest of my life. And then a week later, there's like French fries in the, in the, side, of the side of the chair. And they're like, it's all messy. And you're like, oh, that's cars. You don't even smell the new smell anymore. That's what the brain does. So when you lean into the joy and you lean into the fact that you have a car, though you lean into the fact that you have running water, that you have light bulbs. Lily and I went on a mission trip when she was nine years old to Cuba. We went for a week in the middle of summer. I can't even describe to you the heat that we endured. It was so mind-numbing that I couldn't even think straight because the, the heat was so hot. And there was no air conditioning anywhere you went. There wasn't a store. There were no stores. There wasn't a house. There wasn't even a car. There was no way to get away from the heat. And then the government decided, because it's a communist country, a couple after we left, a couple months later, maybe a year later, they decided to take all the light bulbs away from everybody in Cuba and not replace their light bulbs because they don't want the people of Cuba to have any power. The reasoning behind that makes no sense. But at the same time, at, as we're hearing this, and we're doing fundraisers at our church for light bulbs, light bulbs, like basic light bulbs. As this is happening, we're doing fundraisers at our church to get light bulbs, and we can't figure out how to get the light bulbs to them because the government's going to intercept any packages that we send that have light bulbs in them. So we're trying to think of how you can't send them money for light bulbs because there's no light bulbs to be bought at any store. 
And as this was happening, ironically, our neighborhood that we live in was replacing all of the light bulbs in the street lamps with LED or some better that was better for our HOA fees and all that good stuff. And I thought, what a literal reminder as I'm driving by trying to figure out how we can get these light bulbs. And there's literally one of those guys in the crane and he's in the cup and he's replacing all the light bulbs in our neighborhood. And I was like, thank you, God, for this God wink. And you'll get them all the time. All these God winks of reminder of like, we have light bulbs. So when I start going on the complain train, that's what I call it. Lily will be like, hashtag light bulbs. Or if Lily or Grady start to go on the uh, complaint train, we'll be like, hashtag light bulbs. The brain does it. So we don't judge for complaining. We just kind of catch ourselves. It's like a pen click. Like, oh, I'm going off on the complaint train. Complaining is draining. You can say things like that to kind of get yourself out of that. And then you can also help your kids and they can help you because kids don't see a lot of that negativity and a lot of complaining. They might complain, but they also can see so much good. We had our refrigerator go out and it, the guy said that it was going to be about six to eight weeks before we got the pardon. I was like, wait, what? Are you kidding me? Six to eight weeks without a refrigerator? And then Grady's standing out there. I remember when he was he was standing by the pool. He's like, mom, we have, a, we have that old refrigerator in the garage. At least we have that. At least we have light bulbs. And I was like, thanks, buddy. Thanks for reminding me. Because mom was getting on the complain train, choo-choo. I'm going to get off that complain train right now because nothing happens there. Complaining is very draining. So you have to create these new neural pathways in your brain on the regular. doesn't happen naturally because 80% of the thoughts are going to go to the negative. It's going to go to danger. You have light bulbs, you have carrots, and you're swinging in the monkey vine. Because I picture God like being up in heaven going, are you serious? Are you serious, people? You're complaining that the mail didn't get there in time. When I'm giving you these beautiful people to spend your life with, these be- the, all this nature, this beautiful flowers and these trees and clean drinking water, air conditioning, light bulbs. Like I can't make everything perfect, but like you're going to complain that you, your shoes have a hole in them or you need to go to the store and buy like whatever we're complaining about. Like, really? I feel like he's sitting up there going, are, are you serious? And what, what God is going to give more things to people that are complaining about the current situation? So I have the analogy of if David were to bring me flowers tomorrow, he's going to bring home flowers and he's going to, and he brings home tulips and he brings me tulips. And I'm like, mm, thanks for the flowers, hon. But I really like daisies. If you could just bring daisies next time, because tulips, they're not kind of my thing. He's going to be like, uh, I don't think I'm going to be getting flowers again anytime soon. He might not say it out loud, but he's definitely going to think it. And that's what happens in life. When you lean into that joy and you lean into that vulnerability and you lean into the gratitude, and you remind your brain, then more abundance comes. And there is no better there, but there is awesome. And it's more awesome than right now. And right now is really awesome. Does that make sense? So you're just kind of like enhancing, you're updating the app. So there is awesome. And here is awesome. So then you're always loving the monkey vine you're on now while you're evolving and striving for the next monkey vine. Because a lot of people are on their monkey vine now, and they think that there's better there. So they're striving and hustling and exhausted and thinking like the grass is greener, the pot of gold is at the end of the rainbow, all those things. And then they're really, really disappointed when it comes up flat. And sometimes we think that the kids are going to bring all this joy. And then we're really surprised that they're like crying and like not sleeping. Like what? 
But when we can lean into that in the as is of all the things and not be so judgmental of it, that's when life gets super fun. So I have this sign hanging all over my house. It's the screensaver of my phone and on my and of my wallpaper on my laptop. And it says, I am grateful for when the kids wake up early, it means I have children to love. When the, I have a house to clean, that means I have a safe place to live. When I have laundry to do, that means I have clothes to wear. When I have dirty dishes in the sink, that means I had food to eat. When I have crumbs underneath the table, that means I had a family meal. When I have lots of shopping to do, that means I have money to use. When I have toilets to clean, that means I have indoor plumbing. When there's lots of noise in the house, that means kids are having fun. When there's endless questions from the children, that means kids are learning. And when I get into bed tired, that means I'm still alive. So it's all about perspective because people talk so much about positive thinking. And I think it's more about perspective thinking. What perspective do I want to put on all of these things? So when I go to complain that I have laundry to do, I do a pen click in my brain. I get off the complaint train. I know that complaining is draining. And I lean into joy of laundry. And you're like, what? Are you a unicorn? No, because you know what? When we did not have children for six years, planning and trying and miscarrying and going to doctor's appointments and David's giving me shots in the belly, where there was no laundry to do. Doing two people's laundry is much different than four. So when I'm folding the little shorts, I'm like, thank you, God, for these beautiful blessings. Thank you, God, for these socks. Thank you, God, that I have money to buy them clothes for school, new uniforms. Thank you that I'm able to hang them up on these hangers that I got off QVC, that the no-slip hangers. You can find joy and gratitude in all of it, but you have to train the brain because the brain does not like joy. It doesn't like all this positive woo-woo stuff. It's like, no, let's just sit in our hole. Let's just eat bonbons and watch Netflix. But the heart is like, no, that's not cool. We're not going to do that. So you're going to find yourself foreboding joy all the time. And leaning into that joy is going to feel super scary. We're trying to beat ourselves to the punch. So we do it ourselves. Is that crazy? But knowing this is super cool to know. Because then you can lean into the joy. When the kids are crying, then you can lean into, I am the exact person that is chosen for this moment to handle this tantrum. I know now hold, how to hold the space because of how Kelly's helped me and Dr. Shafali and Brene Brown and Brooke Castillo and Tony Robbins and Mel Robbins and all the people that are just so desperate to help other people. I am the perfect person for this. Thank you, God. You'll find blessings in all of the burdens. When I look back at the things that were just really, really tough on our family, it's like the greatest blessing ever in hindsight. But during it, I was like, what is going on? Are you kidding me? This is not okay. But in hindsight, so much good came out of it. So your brain is not going to want to do this. So that's why I'm always talking about the first 30 minutes when you wake up, because that's when the brain is most malleable. But what we like to do is we like to go straight to our phones and straight to the scale. So our unconscious brain that's still developing in in, in charge of our brains for 90 to 95% of our thoughts, it goes straight to comparison And compare is to despair. Comparison is the thief of of joy. So we go straight to comparison. Oh, her husband looks nicer. Those kids are smiling more than my kids. Her house seems really clean. I like her. She seems really fit. How does she have time for all that? I feel so much less than. So we're training our brain to go to lack first. Then we step on the scale. It's 190. 
I was really hoping to be one, 185 today, 187. I can't believe it. I shouldn't have eaten that. So we're literally training our brain the first 30 minutes to go straight to despair, straight to lack, straight to not good enough. And doing that day in and day out over time creates so much anxiety and so much stress. And so it can lead to depression because we're just constantly looking, comparing, not good enough, not good enough, not good enough. And then we look at our kids. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. And you're not good enough. Then the kids feel not good enough, not good enough. Do you see how the lack is very contagious? So I encourage people to do the Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. Changed my life. Waking up. Good morning, pretty world. The G stands for gratitude. The M stands for meditation. The P stands, uh, good morning, pretty world. The P stands for prayer. Then the W, it's my least favorite part of the morning, but work out. Good morning, pretty world. That's when your life, then you're training your brain to create unconscious thinking that's much more empowering for the day. Then you're super proud and you're kind of high-fiving yourself all day long because you kept promises to yourself and now you're creating those new neural pathways when the brain is just waking up. And throughout the day, at, I have alarms set on my phone or on my watch, either or, at 808, 1010, 1212, And it will just say something like, be grateful. So if someone's in the car, I'll say, I'm so grateful that I have a car that has air conditioning. Something very basic. What are you thankful for? What are you grateful for? What's something that you felt joy today? So it's constantly retraining the brain to look for it, look for it. Because it's remember, it's like a it's like a metal detector at the beach. So we're going to look for joy underneath the sand. We're not going to look for lack. We're not going to look for fear. We can find it if we look for it. It's always going to be there. But we can also find the joy. So it's like getting LASIK vision for your life. So we also have alarms for the kids' birthdays. So Lily was born on April 4th, 2008. So at 448, every day, alarm goes off. Thank you, God, for this beautiful blessing. Thank you, God, for Lily. So the alarm goes off. 4.48 p.m. every single stinking honking day. Sometimes they're in the car. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes we're with them. Sometimes we're not. Sometimes she's not even with us. And Grady and I always, will always say, thank you, God, for the beautiful blessing of Lily. Ten, Grady was born on 10-10-10, October 10th, 2010, every day at 10-10. Thank you, God, for this beautiful blessing. Sometimes he's at school. I'm like, thank you, God, for this beautiful blessing. Lily sees the clock. It says 10-10 in her head. She says, thank you, God, for my brother. Do you see how that can train the brain? And they want to do it now for Maggie. She was born on um, December 29th. They want to do it at 1229. So start training your brain. Start looking for the joy and start leaning into the joy. You're always going to find joy when you look for it. But lean into that vulnerability. Lean into that joy of your spouse. Lean into that joy of your kids, that they're healthy, that they're here, that they're just so vibrant. And you have clothes and you have light bulbs and you have air conditioning and you have running clean water. Like when all is said and done, we have light bulbs and clean drinking water. Like, what else do we need? Truly. Oh, and air conditioning. It's a beautiful thing. So I hope this helped. And I really, really, really want you to start leaning into the joy and leaning into that vulnerability because beautiful things happen and it will only attract more abundance. And then you're also going to teach your kids and then you're going to see your life in a brand new light and your brain is not going to like it, but your heart is. And you always want to live for that heart space because when you're doing the heart work, then life does not feel like such hard work. All right. I love you guys. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Hey, mamas. Thanks for listening. If you had any ahas, clicks, or those lightning bolt moments while listening, you have to check out my free parenting bootcamp where we take all of this to the next level and we try to create even more awakenings for ourselves so that we can connect more with our kids and never yell at them again. You can sign up at www.coachingkelly.com 
And if you really want to fill up my love cup, send me an email of what your aha was, what your click was, what was that lightning bolt resonating moment while you were listening. I want nothing more in life than for you to have harmony in your home and to learn how to be an imperfect mom like me, which allows your kids to be imperfect too, each and every day. Thanks for listening.